This morning's scripture reading comes from Jeremiah, chapter 18, verses 1 through 10. Listen to the word of God. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like the clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation, I warn, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Mark. Let's bow our heads and pray as we get started. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for the richness and goodness of your word and how it can encourage us and challenge us and inspire us. And we pray it would do all of that for us today with your spirit's help. We're open and receptive and we're thankful. We pray that in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Well, I've always been fascinated with artists, people who can paint pictures or people who can chisel statues or take wood carvings and carve beautiful uh, Animals. I once saw a woman, uh, a woman carve a, a beautiful bird out of a block of wood. Just amazing. Uh, I, I just admire people who can do that sort of thing. I, and I really, I'm a big fan of folks who can do pottery. You know, people who can take a lump of clay, put it on a potter's wheel, and then with moist hands begin to work that clay to make something both beautiful and useful. This is one of those... Uh, Clay vases made by a potter on a wheel. Uh, this is actually belongs to my wife. She got it in Iceland. And uh, she told me on the way today, as I was going out the door with this in my hand, she said, don't you dare drop that or chip that or break that. So I'm being very careful. Uh, <laughs> probably shouldn't joke like that. Huh? Uh. I remember when I was in college, uh, I had to take a, an art class, an elective, and uh, uh we did a, a section on pottery and got to try to sit at the potter's wheel and, and make something. I tried to make a chalice. It did not turn out very well. So I've really admired the skill, the patience, the practice, the discipline that goes into becoming really skilled as an artisan to make things out of clay. You know, the prophet Jeremiah was concerned about God's people. The year was about 625 B.C., and the nation of Israel was going through a period of decline. There was a moral and spiritual crisis in the land. The future was uncertain. The nation was surrounded by enemies that wanted to destroy it. There was a lot of saber-rattling going on, lots of threats. And Jeremiah wanted to speak to the people a word from the Lord, and he began asking God to give him a word, and God spoke to Jeremiah and said, go down to the potter's house and that's where you will hear my word. And in those days, they had pottery houses where potters would sit and and make vessels that people could then come by and sell or buy or uh, barter for. And So so, uh, down went Jeremiah to the local potter's house and he 
He began to watch the potter working at the potter's wheel with the clay. And uh, as he was watching, he could he could see the potter was focused and intentional about what he was trying to, to shape and form. And at one point it wasn't working out quite the way the potter intended, so the potter just kind of folded it in and pounded it down and got it back to a lump and restarted to get it just right. And as, as Jeremiah is watching all of this, he can see the, the joy and the satisfaction and the face of the potter as he worked. And that's when the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said, As clay in the hands of the potter, so are my people in my hands, says the Lord. I am the potter, says the Lord God, and my people are my clay. I want my people to give me permission to shape them and mold them and to create of them something that is both beautiful and useful. God was asking Jeremiah to invite the people to hear this message, to to be shaped and formed into the people he wanted them to be. It was a timely message. It was an important message. And Jeremiah went on to proclaim that message faithfully, although some didn't want to hear it. But you know, I believe this message that God gave to Jeremiah is an important and timely message for your life and my life today, friends. And so what I want you to do today is I want you to come with me in your imagination down to the potter's house. And let's imagine watching the potter working at the wheel. And let's just see if God has a word for you and for me this morning, a word that can encourage us about the future and challenge us and strengthen us in the present. Let's go down to the potter's house and see what we will see. I think the first thing we would notice if we went to the potter's house, the first thing we would notice is that the potter always has a plan and a purpose, and that purpose is always good. The potter is seeking to create something that is both beautiful and useful, and he has in his mind a sense of what he's trying to shape and mold. I mean, the potter doesn't just throw clay on the wheel and get the wheel spinning and say, well, let's see what happens. Let's see how it turns out. No, no. He's very intentional. Everything he's doing is for a reason and a purpose because the potter has a purpose and that purpose is always good. And friends, if you and I understand that we're meant to be clay in the hands of the potter, we can affirm that truth in our own lives. That God has plans and purposes for each of us. And those plans and purposes are always good. It doesn't mean that everything that we experience in life will be good or feel good or seem good. But what it does teach us is that God can use all of that for good because the potter has a plan and a purpose. Psychologists talk about the difference between having a malevolent worldview or a benevolent worldview. Worldview is simply how you see life and how you interpret circumstances. A malevolent worldview is one in which where you see anything that happens to me that I don't like, anything that makes me uncomfortable, anything that's hard, I see as an enemy, I see it as punishment, I see it as judgment, and I I resist it and I fight against it. But a benevolent worldview takes a look at everything that happens to me, both good and bad, and begins to say, this can teach me, this can refine me, this can help me, this can mature me. And you take a posture of teachability and humility and you, you receive Trusting that God can work it to good because you know, you know the potter has a purpose. Friends, the potter's purposes are always good. In fact, uh, Jeremiah wrote these words that we heard this morning reflecting on his experience at the potter's house. And then about nine chapters, ten chapters later in his 
in the same passage, in the same book that he wrote, we have these famous words that God spoke to Jeremiah. Let's put them up on the screen. Let's, let's read these together. These are familiar words to many of us, but let's read them out loud together. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Friends, this is not a Pollyanna approach to life, but it is a faith-filled approach to life, that God wants to work for good in your life and in my life. And when we understand that the potter wants to carry out plans and purposes for us, we receive what happens to us and what we go through in life in a way that helps us get better. It refines us, but it doesn't define us. And one of the responsibilities you and I have is to discern the plans and purposes for our lives, to to start each day with a prayer, Lord, help me to see what you're trying to do in me and help me to cooperate with you. Lord, I, I give you my heart, my life. I entrust this day to your care. And it's not always easy to discern God's plans and purposes for us. It's not always easy to do His will or seek His will or figure out His will for our lives. Sometimes it's hard to know. I haven't talked much about this because, quite frankly, it's still a little hard for me to talk about it, but we need to start talking about it. So in just a few weeks, I'll be leaving. Lynn and I will be going to Virginia Beach to assume responsibilities at a church down there, and uh, you'll be receiving a new pastor. And uh, uh, as we think about that, a lot of folks have been asking me, Mark, why are you, why are you going? Why, why are you leaving? And uh, I, I can tell you that... The church leaders here didn't ask me to leave. I'm not getting kicked out. I, uh, I didn't plan on leaving. What really happened was a few uh, months ago, I got a call from a district superintendent uh, of the Tidewater region who asked me to consider, prayerfully consider, becoming the next pastor of Virginia Beach United Methodist Church. And, and my first response was, no thanks, no way, no how. I love it where I'm at. I love what I'm doing. And he said, I understand that, but I do want you to pray about it. Take several days and pray about it. And so I began to pray. And uh, as I prayed and as I thought and as uh, I tried to discern, I, I, I know it's hard to figure out exactly, but I could take you to the very place in my basement. I have a little prayer table, and I can still remember that moment early in the morning at that prayer table where I really felt God was saying, Mark, I know this is hard for you but it's what I want from you. And so at that moment, I had to make a decision. Do I believe God is really calling me to do this? And will I submit and surrender? And will I trust that he has plans and purposes that are good, both for this church and for the church that I'll be going to? And so that's what I did. And I know know sometimes some pastors say, well, God's calling me to this other church. People go, yeah, right, Virginia Beach, really hard calling. Okay. What's next, Pastor Mark? A surf shop in Waikiki? Is God going to call you there? Right? It's not exactly going to Bangladesh to work in a hospital or something. So I know that's true, but I feel this is something God's calling me to do. And I believe that because uh, I'm trying to be obedient to that calling, I believe God is going to bless this church. And I believe God has plans and purposes that are great for this church and that the best is yet to come. And I have a feeling... A couple weeks after I'm gone and the new pastor's here, you're going to fully agree with that. So we continue. Look, it's not always easy to discern the will of God, and sometimes we're not always sure. But 
Here's what I do believe. If we think God is asking us to take a step somewhere, if we will do that in faith, trusting Him, even if it's the wrong decision, He will work it out for good and He'll reward our faithfulness and our intentions to do what He's asked us to do. Because the potter has a purpose and a plan. And it's always good. And when we go down to the potter's house, we begin to see that. Second observation we can make is that the potter is willing to start over when that's necessary. This is really the main point of the text. Jeremiah is watching the potter at work and, and things aren't going exactly what, as he had, had intended. And so the potter takes the clay and just pushes it down, pounds it down into a lump again and begins reworking the clay to make it just exactly what he wants it to be. And that's when the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said, I am the potter, my people are the clay. Now this was actually meant to be in Jeremiah's day. It was, it was a word of warning. To the people, because they weren't submitting to the Lord, they weren't seeking to live His way. And God says, if you continue to be disobedient and run from me, uh, just remember, I created you, I can recreate you if I have to. It's meant to be a word of warning and judgment. And we need to hear, hear that today as well. But, but I want us to also see this today as a, not just a warning to heed, but really as a promise to embrace. Because what this also tells us is that God is willing to give us a new start. To give us a new beginning. He, he is willing to start over w- with us when that's necessary. And that's, that's a good thing. Because when God starts over with us, it's not to condemn us or destroy us. It's to offer us a new chance. A new start. It's to experience His grace once again. You know, we love redemption stories. There's something in our heart when we see it in the movies or hear, read it in a book. story of somebody whose life has gone terribly wrong, perhaps by decisions they've made or perhaps by circumstances, but, but they're in a mess, they're in a pit, they're struggling, and, and then somehow things start to move in a positive direction and they go through some sort of inner transformation. And because they've changed on the inside, their, their world begins to change. Things get better. We love those kind of redemption stories. And I think there's a reason why. I think God plants within us a love, a desire for redemption. Because He wants us to come to Him where He can make a new start with us. You ever see the movie City Slickers? It came out in 1991. One of my favorite movies, Billy Crystal was in it. I love Billy Crystal, he's funny. Anyways, about these three middle-aged guys, Phil, Mitch, and Ed. There they are. And uh, they're, they'd grown up, they'd been childhood friends, they'd grown up, they always uh, stayed in touch with each other, but they're all going through the same phase of life, that, that phase where they're, the dreams of their youth have now been pretty much destroyed on the rocks of reality, and the waves of disappointment have hit them, and they just feel like life is meaningless and there's nothing good in the future. And the only fun they really have in their life is uh, about once a year they get together, just the three of them without the wives and the kids, and they, they take some kind of exotic adventure vacation. And the movie's about a time when they go to a dude ranch to learn how to be cowboys. One of their adventures, they learn how to rope and ride and shoot a gun. And the best part is they get to go on a cattle drive. And so the movie's about what happens when they go on this cattle drive, and what happens isn't very good. These three guys run into all kinds of problems. Things become a big mess. Uh, there, there's one scene in particular I remember in the movie where uh, they've had just a really bad day on the cattle drive, and it hasn't gone well, and they're tired, they're frustrated, they're exhausted. Real life is bad enough, but now they take this exotic vacation, and everything's just falling apart. 
the one guy in particular, Phil, the tall guy there, he's, he's having a hard time because in, in the weeks leading up to this little vacation that he took, uh, he'd had an adulterous affair and his wife had left him. His kids were alienated from him. He'd lost his job. Just about everything in his life he'd worked for was falling apart. And now he's on this cattle drive hoping it'll restart something in his life. And instead it's gone from bad to awful bad. And he's, he's, he's hit a low. And he even thinks about maybe ending his life. And that's when his friend Mitch starts to talk to him. And Mitch says, Phil, Phil, you know what you need? You need a do-over. And Phil looks at him and he says, what are you talking about? He said, well, you remember, remember we were kids and we'd, we'd play stickball and you'd be up to bat and you'd swing really hard at the ball and you'd just barely nick it and it would just dribble a few feet in front of the plate. You'd immediately yell, do over. And we'd let you stay up at the plate and take another swing. He said, Phil, what you need is a do over in your life. And you know, I think Mitch was right. Phil needed a do over. And I also think sometimes so do we. And one of the beautiful truths about God is that He specializes in do-overs. You know, He sent His Son to die on a cross and to rise from the dead so that people like you and me, vessels of clay, who have cracks, who've been marred and scarred by sin, and brokenness, so that we can go back onto the potter's wheel and allow him to shape and mold and start over with us when that's necessary. Friends, listen, if any of you here today feel like you need a do-over, I bring you good news from the potter's house. God specializes in do-overs. And I hope today when we come and take the, the sacrament of Holy Communion in a few minutes that if you need this, you just say, God, give me a do-over today. Give me a new start. Put me back up on the potter's wheel and make of me the person you want me to be. Thank you for Jesus who makes it possible. I'd encourage you to do that today. Because here's the deal. The potter always has a purpose and that purpose is always good. And the potter is willing to start over with you and with me when that's necessary. And that leads us really to the final observation we make this morning. Nothing makes the potter happier than having clay in his hands. Now, I know the text doesn't say that exactly, but no doubt Jeremiah saw that. And, you, and we know what Jesus said. Jesus said that all of heaven rejoices when one person, one lump of clay, really, goes to the Father and surrenders to Him. God is not angry when we come to Him. He rejoices when we come to Him because nothing makes Him happier than having you and me as clay in His hands So He can do the work in our lives that He intended to do to complete His plans and purposes. But here's the deal, friends. Here's the deal. We've got to be willing to choose and decide to do that. God will not force Himself on us. He invites us and He waits. Now the Holy Spirit will help. The Holy Spirit will draw us. But we've got to cooperate. We've got to make that decision. And it's the most important decision you'll ever make. We say this all the time around here. We make our choices, and then our choices make us. One of the choices, one of the decisions you and I have to make in life is am I going to entrust myself to the hands, the loving, skilled hands of the potter? You know, when I was uh, in college and 
during the summers, I would work as a lifeguard at a summer camp. And uh, in order to become a lifeguard, you had to take this training, Red Cross training, and learn how to do all that. And uh, I can still remember some of the training. One of the trainings I remember most uh, was a lesson we did on how to rescue people who were drowning in deep water when you didn't have a flotation device with you. And they took us out to this lake in the deepest part of the lake, and one of the volunteer instructors was pretending like he was drowning. He was kicking and screaming and yelping and carrying on and thrashing around in the water trying to stay above, you know, from, uh, to get some air. And, and uh, we were all gathered around, kind of treading water, watching, and the instructor says, now how would you rescue that person? Well, well naturally, our, our instinct was to just swim up to him and try to pull him to shore. And the instructor said, if you do that, you'll both drown. He said, that's, the, that's what seems like the, the normal thing to do is the, the exact wrong thing to do. And then they explain what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to swim to the person, but stay away from them far enough that they can't grab a hold of you. Because, see, they're, they're in panic mode. And if they grab a hold of you, you're going to get in a wrestling match with them, and you'll both be exhausted, and you'll both drown. He said, stay close enough that they know you're there, but far enough away so they can hear your voice but can't touch you, and then speak to them in a calm, steady voice saying, help is here. I'm here to help you. You need to calm down. You need to stop fighting. And he says, usually they won't do it because they're panicking. But keep telling them, keep going. And he says, what usually happens is they get exhausted, finally. And when they're exhausted from kicking and thrashing and splashing around, then you can go and you can rescue them and bring them to shore. You get where I'm going with this? You know, the truth of the matter is, friends, our Savior wants to save us. And sometimes we get in deep water and we get in up over our head. And I just wonder where some of you might find yourself today. Oh, maybe, maybe today you're, you're, you've been on the potter's wheel for a long time and you've become something beautiful and useful and God's doing great things in your life and we celebrate that. Maybe you're here today and you used to be that way, but things haven't gone well recently, and you need a do-over. Or maybe you're here today, and you've just been kicking and splashing and thrashing around most of your life, resisting the only one who can really save you. And maybe, just maybe, you're finally getting to the place where you can hear his voice, and you're exhausted, and you're willing to stop fighting. Let the Savior be for you who He intends to be, your Savior. And He will bring you safely to the shore. But He won't leave you on the shore. He'll take you down to the potter's house. And you'll discover the potter has a plan, and it's always good. The potter's not afraid to start over when necessary, and nothing makes the potter happier, and ultimately nothing will make you and me happier than having ourselves as clay in his hands. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's house. I want to invite you to come and receive the sacrament of Holy Communion today. Consider that an opportunity to place yourself on the potter's wheel and let the one who loves us make a redemption story out of our lives. The potter is waiting. The decision is yours.